Hey, hey, Poison Pals. Welcome back to That Shit is Poison. This is another episode of That Shit is Poison, the true crime toxicology podcast with your hosts, myself, Harini Bot, And your other host, myself, Megan Gesner. Thank you for joining us today. Mm -hmm. 20, 20 plus episodes in and we are still just as awkward with our intros, but we don't give a fuck. That's why you guys like us. This is why you came. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was going to quote Rihanna. <laughs> this, this is, is what, what you, you came, came for. for. <laughs> 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 I beat you to it. You should have oh just said God. it. You should have just gone for it. We were just, I know, I was going to sing it, but I was like, <laughs> we've sung so much on this podcast, actually, that I didn't even realize. Are we getting feedback that like, hey, we're here to listen to you talk and not sing? Are people saying that? No, they're not saying that. But I can also hear in the back of my mind, like, stop trying to get a record deal like on your podcast. Oh, my God. Uh, it's not happening. I, we are not that narcissistic. No. We just like to sing like anybody else. Yeah. We like to sing in our cars with the volume turned super high <laughs> so that we can't actually hear our own voices. That's the way we like to sing. That is how we like to sing. Like when the volume is turned up all the way, we sound fantastic i've never sounded better oh yeah i know honestly i think one of our favorite activities is driving because megan you like driving Mm -hmm. i love driving driving. i look forward to driving alone when i drive to the bay or just like whenever i'm driving from a to b and i know it's like a long drive because i'm like yes i have some me time (laughs) absolutely i love driving because it's so therapeutic Mm -hmm. For me, at least. And I do agree. I love that alone time. I love putting on my whatever mood I'm feeling, putting on the music that fits my mood. And I am just like sailing. (laughs) Like I am sailing down the road. 100%. I'm sailing as well. Yeah. But anyways, this is a hard left turn, but I have some interesting news, I guess. So Dave and I went to Green Flash after honestly, like I think it's been a year. It's been a long time since I've been to Green Flash so we went today and it was it just felt great to be there because they have great beers but yeah Yeah. we were just like chilling after work and grabbing a beer and just like hanging out and then Dave was like before because I was about to like embark on a whole story a whole ass story and Dave was like all right before you tell that (laughs) story because I know it's going to take you a long time he's like probably until we have to leave so let me get in one one Uh little bit before you start talking I'm like okay fine so funny (laughs) which is true so he was like yeah Mm -hmm. like one of my really good friends in the bay area i was just texting him and he was like dude i'm so fed up and he was like why what's going on he lives in the apartment complex in the bay area and he was like dude there's been some like paranormal activity at my apartment and i was like my ears perked up all the freaking way up and i was like oh yeah 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 tell me more Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm mm-hmm yeah. So Dave was like, what's going on? And his friend was like, there's been occurrences that have been happening in the night consistently for like months now where, you know, in the middle of the night, like witchy hour, 2, 3 a.m., we'll hear knocking on our door or like knocking either on our front door or like on in the walls, like weird shit, right? Sometimes I want to pee in the middle of the night and I'm awake and I'm like trying to get up and I can't. Like something is forcing me down that I cannot explain. Yeah. You know, just like weird shit like that, mm-hmm. right? He's like, there's just a weird presence and we are just fed up with it. We are trying to move out like ASAP. And I've been talking to my neighbors to see if they have any information on like what's been going on. Because maybe it's just like someone playing a prank. Who knows? And so then Mm -hmm. one of their neighbors who has been living there for like a long, long time said your next door neighbor. So the apartment right next to you, someone was murdered. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Someone was murdered and some new neighbors moved in after that occurrence. 
and they promptly moved out about a month in to their lease because I'm sure shit was going down in that actual apartment. So long story short, they kind of got to the bottom of it. They don't know the exact details of like what actually happened in the in that apartment, but they are on the way out. <laughs> yeah, not about that. So obviously people who do not subscribe to the paranormal <laughs> to ghosts. And yeah. I want to reiterate, Harini and I very much mm-hmm. do, I think because it is partly yeah. cultural for us, you know, Southeast mm-hmm. Asian heritages that's just like that's integral to the culture of telling ghost stories that basically parents use ghost stories to influence their child's behavior (laughs) and that's just what it is exactly what i was about to say and um (laughs) but like on a personal level my Mm -hmm. sister she's Mm -hmm. always has trouble with sleep and i feel like okay this is the first time i'm really saying this publicly but okay, I genuinely God. feel like Manira does have some sort of energy that spirits are attracted to. And Ooh. and the reason I say that is because okay. like we shared a bedroom for years, sure, like, yeah. well into high school. Mm-hmm. But she would always get like night terrors and what your what Dave's story was describing is you know this person like they can't move they physically can't mm-hmm. move despite being awake mm-hmm. there, there's a common word for that phenomenon yeah. um is it, is it sleep paralysis yeah sleep sleep paralysis okay. and i think manira is susceptible to that okay. but for example i know that's always followed her around mm-hmm. it's never followed me around mm-hmm. like i don't experience that yeah. but there was one time at one of the houses we previously lived in with this is where like i'm already we're both already out of college i'm just going home to visit Mm -hmm. you know up to sacramento where we shared a bed and the first night i generally feel because i was next to her i woke up and it wasn't necessarily sleep paralysis but i woke up and i saw some sort of shape above me and it was one of those things where it's like my brain somehow like built this vision above me and then I had to like blink blink a couple times and then it was gone but it was like so convincing that in my head I'm like did I potentially just see a spirit and I I tie it to Manira because she had said I've been having dreams recently of a woman floating above my bed. Shut and ob- up. obviously that can impact, mm-hmm. you know, me mm-hmm. and course, my sleep. But I was just like, I have been sleeping so peacefully in San Diego. And the moment I'm here yeah. with Manira, like I'm <laughs> starting to feel like this weird energy. So that, so tying that into Dave's mm-hmm. story of those people leaving that house. Okay, scientifically, mm-hmm. you could say, okay, the knocking in the walls, that might just be pipes going, sure. that might be a, a internal gas light for the furnace, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But I do think like if you really feel that there's something there, especially because we know that some neighbor was murdered right. at a certain <laughs> right. point, trust your gut. Trust your gut. Instincts. Yeah. And trust like, your gut. That is, I didn't know that at all. So that's really, really wild because, yeah, I mean- it could be explained away or, you know, it couldn't, you know, it could be the spirits above. But knowing these friends of Dave, they are not the type to subscribe to ghosts and that sort of thing. Right. So for them to like actually feel like I think this is actual paranormal activity and we're getting the hell out. Mm. I believe that, you know, they're yeah. actually like freaked out. That's when it's even scarier when it's like some somebody who is traditionally like super objective, mm-hmm. super thoughtful about these things that they're like, I have no other explanations. It's fucking ghosts. Like, exactly. Like, there's no other explanation. I might be very late to the game. In fact, I know I'm very late to the game. But this show is bonkers. It's so good. It's called 
Outlander. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. Well, sorry, sorry. I haven't watched it, but I okay, know okay. so many friends are like, Maggie, you better watch this shit. Mm-hmm, this shit's mm-hmm. good. So continue. Good. Tell me why you like it. Why do you like Outlander and why okay. do you recommend it? Yeah. So, like I said, Dave and I went to Green Flash today and I was like, this was the story I was telling him where he was like, I need to interject and tell you this like Halloween story before mm-hmm. you keep going because <laughs> I know you're going to go on forever. And I did. Basically, Outlander, for people who don't know, Outlander is about this British woman. It's based in 1945, basically just post-World War II. They go on vacation in the Scottish Highlands. She basically goes to some stones. It looks like Stonehenge in mm-hmm. Scotland. And old Scottish folklore, they believe in like fairies and like magic and things like that. Anyways, so that's supposed to be like a very magical place in Scotland. And so she goes there by herself. And then she touches the stone and then she basically gets whipped back in time to the 1700s and she's stuck there. So it is so freaking good. And it's honestly worse than Game of Thrones in terms of like they go there. They really freaking go there. I'm shocked how, you know, intense it can get. But the story is incredibly good. So I highly recommend it's based off a book series, which is like, for me, a telltale sign that it's like a good story, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. The first person who ever recommended it to me was actually James Gilchrist. Um, I was like, that's dope because I knew Outlander had some sexy sex in it. And I was like, isn't (laughs) that I was like this. I'm not saying men, whatever you identify as, like, I'm not saying like they can't enjoy chick shows but like mm-hmm. i ultimately mm-hmm. was like isn't outlander kind of a chick show he was like hell yeah it is but it's fucking good <laughs> it is and like yeah but he was like <laughs> it's just as actually um reference game of thrones he was oh. like it's better than game of thrones there's like great history yeah, there's great sci-fi yeah. and there's all the sex you could ask for so <laughs> right right i was just yeah. gonna say like it's steamy in the sense that like game of thrones is steamy like they have right. like both passionate legitimate mm-hmm. sex and then also like not so consensual <laughs> sex, yeah. you know yeah. like it's a little bit of b- both yeah. yes yeah. But I will say, since this is a toxicology podcast as well, there's a shit ton of toxicology in it. Oh, like, really? I was actually That's cool. pleasantly surprised. There's a lot. There was like hemlock. There was cyanide. Like she talks about like like atropine. Isn't she a nurse? Right? She, she's a nurse. She's a nurse because right? she was a nurse during the war. But then she also has a, a keen interest in like herbal medicine huh. in like her modern time. So when she yeah. got thrown back into the 1700s, <clears throat> she that was her value to society is her being like a doctor, basically a healer. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That was a good show. All Thanks right. for the rec. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Megan, All right. are you ready? I'm so ready. All right. Let's do this. Megan, it's time for you to pick your poison. Woohoo! Okay, so this is actually awesome because we mentioned some Game of Thrones stuff, okay. and that will be actually referred to oh, in this episode great. very minorly. Okay. But today, mm-hmm. I am going to talk about the poisoning of a Chinese video game tycoon Oh, that literally happened over like Christmas of last year. I mean, Whoa. sorry, not Christmas. That literally happened in the winter of 2020. Um, So it's very fresh, very relevant. I kind of remember hearing about this. Yeah, I actually did send you a link about it when this story was breaking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was like, this is something we could talk about. And then I just like didn't think about it for some time. And I was like, I'll follow up and like see what came of that. Sure. 
And the poison that is involved in this story is also something that we have not discussed. Ooh, so I'm excited to talk about the toxicology awesome. there. Okay. This will be a short episode. Mm-hmm. So Poison Pals, if you're tired <laughs> if you're tired of our long episodes, this is a good break for you. Yeah. And hopefully we'll just chat about nonsense later down the line. But yeah. anyway, settle in. Settle in, Poison Pals. Poison Pals. You know the drill. <laughs> Sit the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, poison I couldn't, pals. I couldn't not laugh. Fuck crisscross applesauce, pizza pie, as Megan mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're doing your, your laundry, mm-hmm. do it quick because this is a short one. <laughs> All right. So I want to first list my sources before I tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> so I pulled from NPR, The Hollywood Reporter, mm. CNN, Variety, BBC News. China.org.cn. <laughs> so it's uh, China.org, I guess. Mm-hmm. Lots of Wikipedia. I pulled from Fortune. Mm-hmm. And the last source was, I think it might be pronounced KXN Global. Mm-hmm. And if I'm butchering that, I'm sorry. It's spelled C A I X I N. It's actually a well known Chinese media company. Mm-hmm. And they're like the main media group in China. And they're, they're kind of like the spokespeople for communist party in some way too but they're basically the largest investigative journalism platform in china so i pulled from them as well Mm -hmm. here we go the story the story (laughs) in question the story on december 15th of 2020 this is fresh fresh. gentleman by the name of lin key that's Mm -hmm. l-i-n space Mm q-i lin key checks himself into a hospital in the Shanghai area. Okay. Lin Qi is, as I had mentioned earlier, he is a Chinese video game mogul. He is a billionaire. He's probably worth $1.3 billion. Jeez. He's the founder, chairman, and CEO of a gaming company called Yuzu Games. Mm. Okay. Yuzu Games, uh, having looked them up, mm-hmm. You know, because I I kind of know a little bit about the gaming industry through my sister and her interest in video games. I looked them up. I don't actually, I'm not familiar with any of their games, but Lin Key, he became successful because he really knew how to like get into the mobile game platform. Mm -hmm. One of the games that Yuzu, that his Yuzu company made in 2019 is actually a Game of Thrones mobile phone game it's called game of thrones winter is coming and it's basically just like an rpg where you build you know you build your allegiances and like you can build armies and then you can like combat with other people across the platform sort of thing i think i do know what you're talking about actually so does he do mainly computer games or like phone games yeah so mostly pc and phone got it Mm mm-hmm And I know that usually when I tell my story, I give like a bigger background on a person, their their childhood and growing up. But right. I could not find anything too deep on Lin Key. Mm-hmm. And I do think I kind of want to attribute that to the fact that like Chinese media and information is a little bit more limited than right. what's public in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I felt like could be why. Um, so we're just going to go in it and go into it saying like, this is who he is at the time of his poisoning he's just like a billionaire video game dude wow he's just a video billionaire game dude i love it yeah so like i said so december 15th he 
checks himself into a hospital. According to the attending doctor at the time, he was barely able to walk. And, quote, he had a very painful expression of acute illness on Mm -hmm. his face. Mm -hmm. He's immediately taken into the ICU where he's actually resuscitated after his heart stops. And... After that happens, he's then transferred to a second hospital. I believe it's the Shanghai Huashan Hospital. Mm -hmm. But despite being transferred, he was already exhibiting signs of brain death as early as the next morning of, you know, of him even going to the hospital. How old is he, Megan, Mm -hmm. at this time? He is only 39 years old. He is young. Young, young, young. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. Ten days pass of him being in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And... Obviously, many things are discovered about the why he's sick, mm-hmm. why what's going on with his body. We'll get into that. But 10 days basically pass. He dies on December 25th, commonly celebrated as Christmas. And then he he passes wow. away. <laughs> and I, I just say the commonly celebrated no, as Christmas right. because when you read the all the articles, everyone's like, he died Christmas morning. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean... But you yeah. know, it is kind of like an interesting day it is. to pass it is a well on. it's like a little day. It's- so let's go back to his hospital stay and the what what transpires between his admittance on the fifteenth and his eventual death. The doctors and authorities, you know, the the Shanghai police who are overseeing this ongoing investigation through his hospital stay, the authorities release that okay, he's definitely been poisoned Mm -hmm. like there is poison involved in his ailment and they discover five different poisons in his bloodstream but we're only going to really focus on from what the chinese media has released they really only focus on two of them one of them i'll give away right now because we've we've talked about Mm -hmm. this poison before there is mercury Mm -hmm. in his blood so there's like heavy metal poisoning and then the other one, that'll be the main okay. feature, so I'm not going to say okay. it just yet, but it's interesting. Teasing us, all right. <laughs> I know. I'm going to I'm tease. Okay. I'm a tease. So according to the police and the, the hospital administration, mm-hmm. Lin Key, he was given a massive transfusion of about 40 liters of blood once they discovered all this poison in his blood, and he underwent surgery that seemed to temporarily stabilize his condition, mm-hmm. But because he was also suffering from that heavy metal poisoning, he actually began bleeding from his organs, causing his heart and lungs to fail. And that led to his death. So there's this other poison in his bloodstream. So they do all this like transfusion and surgery stuff. But like the mercury impacted that negatively. And that's ultimately how he dies. Interesting. So I thought that was just interesting because I feel like when we talk about the hospitalizations of people, we don't really get the details of this are the things that they explicitly did or like, you know, when they when they don't know what's happening. So that's I just wanted to share that. That's so interesting that he got surgery. Like, first of all, I wanted to point out that good on the whatever Chinese hospital he was at and the team working with him that they were able to quickly suss out that it was poison because I feel like that's not always the first thought. Or even the second or third right. or fourth thought that people have, like in the medical community, you know, like they don't want to think like, oh, someone right. poisoned you, you know. I know. And then I know. surgery. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I don't know if you have this information, but just mm-hmm. in general, I'm thinking out loud. That's interesting that they decided mm-hmm. surgery was a good option uh, considering poisoning. Yeah. And when we get to the poison that I wanted to mm-hmm. highlight spoiler alert there's actually no antidote for it so that's why i thought surgery was interesting too like why why surgery 
was surgery needed because of this large blood transfusion? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I so I have questions too, yeah. but I'm I'm not sure. Okay. Anyways, during this time where he's being hospitalized, the police do actually very quickly put somebody in custody. They immediately identify mm-hmm. a suspect mm-hmm. and they put this person in custody. How it works in China, or at least in the Shanghai area, the authorities will only give the surname of the suspect. And the surname at the time is this person called Zhu, X-X-U, Zhu. Mm-hmm. But the Chinese media, like Kiaxin, or I know I'm butchering that name, Kiaxin or whatever, yeah, they quickly discern that this zoo person and suspect is a man named Zhu Yao, who is actually one of Lin's colleagues at the video game company. Shut up. Yes. And so here's where we go into more of the connection with Game of Thrones again. I know. I was just going to say, <laughs> it's like he took the Game of Thrones to heart. Okay. So prior to any of this, why this mm-hmm. actually did make a little bit of an impact in Western media is because the Yuzu company, Lin Key's company, mm-hmm. had actually just partnered with Netflix on the rights to a film adaptation oh. for a very, very popular science fiction novel called The Three-Body Problem. It's part of the remembrance of Earth's past trilogy by mm-hmm. the Chinese author Liu Zixin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, mm-hmm. but I had heard about the specifically the first book in that series, which is called The Three-Body Problem, because it was just so popular to a point where its English translated version won the Hugo Award for like best, wow. you know, it, which is which is like the Grammys for <laughs> best science fiction out there, oh, you know. That's super cool. And so the other reason why this made an impact is through that connection to Netflix, mm-hmm. this series or the series, this film adaptation of The Three-Body Problem, the writers that Netflix hired on to be the lead writers for it are actually D.B. Weiss and David Benioff of Game of Thrones. No. Yes. And I, I shouldn't leave this other person name out. And also Alexander Wu, who wrote for True Blood. But what is unique about that and why people were so like excited about this new series coming out is because this would actually be D.B. Weiss and David Benioff's first project since Game of Thrones. You know how they originally were signed on to do Star Wars? They ended yes. up dropping out of that. Right, right. I remember that. So mm-hmm. this would have been their first stuff since their shame. Wait. <laughs> I know. I know. Since that uh, since unspeakable their... season. I know. Uh, wait. So is the... I know this just happened in 2020. So I'm assuming this is still a go? Like this show? Okay. Or? Yes. So, so yes. This is going to be a slight derailment because I okay. actually have thoughts about the show in general. Sure. So despite the fact that the CEO of Yuzu Games, which is supposed to be the executive producer on the show, despite right. the fact that he is dead and was poisoned slash murdered, despite the fact that like this is a thing that's happening on one half of the production side, Netflix did say like we're going to continue with this project and Yuzu Games, whatever their film subsidiary is, they said that they're also going to continue because... Well, first and foremost, mm-hmm. they invested like millions of dollars, like yeah. high hundreds of millions of dollars into this filming. But it is controversial because the author of the series, the original book series, Liu Zizin, mm-hmm. he actually has some interview that's out there where he basically shows support for the for how China's been treating the Uyghur Muslims. Mm. That's how you pronounce it, right? Uh, I think it's uh, Uyghur. Uyghur? 
the only reason why I, I know that, that is because I had a really close friend in high school who was Uyghur. And she Uyghur? told me about okay. it. <laughs> How to say it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what's controversial about this film film adaptation of the series is that the original author, he had sentiments that were in support of how China's been treating the Uyghur Muslims. And then in response to that, several specifically several Republican U.S. senators reached out to Netflix and was like, hey, we really think you should reconsider turning this into a film adaptation, given the fact that this author, you know, has these sentiments out there. Like, we don't inadvertently want to support this China treatment of marginalized Muslim community, which Mm. I thought was very interesting. My biases are going to lie in support of those Muslims because I'm Muslim. And I do think that what they're doing is wrong. I did think it was interesting that it was specifically Republican senators. So I was like, okay, you know, way to vouch for what I think is the right thing to do. But then Netflix responded back and they're like, this adaptation is not representative of this author guy, this Chinese author. It is separate from his sentiments. We need to be able to separate the work from the person. And with D.B. Weiss, David Benioff and... Alexander Wu as the writers they're the people that we trust yeah you know so basically Netflix was just like we hear you and we know that this author made these sentiments but we're still going to keep filming yeah right so one clarifying question and maybe our listeners do too so when you Mm -hmm. say that the author has shown sentiments towards the Uyghur people do you mean like do you mean like he supports the Uyghur people he is not condemning how China is treating the Uyghur people He's like, this is helping our economy sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like using them Mm -hmm. as labor Mm -hmm. helps our economy. And I think that's fine. Like that was the sentiment. Sure, sure, sure. Right. Okay. And so that's why you were saying like the Republicans were actually condemning this sentiment. Correct. Correct. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. uh, You know, I'm going to be vulnerable. So like part of me was like, I totally applaud those senators for making that making that statement and being like hey by filming this we are inadvertently supporting this author and his sentiments blah 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 and then netflix responded with with what they said and in my head i'm like it doesn't help to make assumptions I, i have a rule that like making assumptions don't create progress because they're all hypotheticals however i do feel that okay Let's replace this author with someone who is a perhaps Nazi Um, sympathizer. What if this person, instead of saying, oh, I support China in utilizing these labor camps because it helps our economy. Okay, replace that with, oh, I am a Nazi sympathizer and I agree with whatever, you know, neo-Nazis are doing. It would be a totally different dialogue Correct. that Netflix would have. I genuinely Absolutely. think that Netflix would be like, yeah, we should not be creating a film adaptation of this novel because mm-hmm. the author is a supremacist sympathizer. Right? Like, Exactly. May disagree with me on that, but I just wanted to speak this into no, the world. I, so that was just... I'm, a- glad, I'm glad you did. No, yeah. I 100% agree with you. Like, I feel like they are... They're like having a selective hearing in terms of like, oh, this is useful for us. Like, this is convenient yeah. for us to look at it this way. Purely as a business, tr- like a transactional situation. You know, this has nothing Correct. to do with... Like, I do also agree with them. Like, yeah, whatever mm-hmm. that author is saying is not reflective mm-hmm. of this book he probably wrote like many years right. prior. The content is not reflective of what's happening right now. And therefore, right. like, yes, we can still produce this show. Mm-hmm. But do you want to represent and support this person is another right, right. situation altogether. Yeah. 
So I, I completely agree with you there, Harini. You know, objectively speaking, I understand Netflix's, you know, initial response. But I think that because one, the issue at hand or, you know, the issue that's in contention is geographically so separate from yeah. like Western U- Western sentiments right. that that's why it's also easy for them to be selective with how they want to proceed. I think that if it was something like, you know, very close to home, like, mm-hmm. like an author might be a supremacy sympathizer or pedophilia sympathizer, because that's mm-hmm. something that's been trickling in the news too. Mm-hmm. It would be a different response. That's just 100%. what I think. So anyway, Agreed. that is just the, That's an the interesting. discourse. That all being said, going back to this Zhu Yao suspect. So Zhu Yao, he was actually the person that Lin Qi, the man that was poisoned and passed away, mm-hmm. put in charge for the filming slash production side of this film series with Netflix. So Zhu Yao is like the lead production guy of the Yuzu Games filming subsidiary. So Zhu is not someone that has worked with him for a long time on the purely gaming side. He is like a newcomer on the filming side of things. That is correct. So I'm going to I'm going to read directly from the Chinese media article because sure. They do have actually, they've actually released a lot of background on Zhu because hmm. Zhu, he went to school in the U.S. And I, I think oh. because of that, that knowledge is like yeah. public to yeah. us. So so I'm going to read this. <laughs> it's going to start with his, his born, born in. Okay, so here we go. Born in 1981, Zhu has an extensive legal background studying law first in China before attending and graduating from the insurance law section at Francis Paul Cezanne University in wow. 2006. Okay. So he has Western education. Mm-hmm. Two years mm-hmm. later, he studied at the University of Michigan's law school in the U.S., which is a great school. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michigan's great. He returned to China and worked in the legal section of well-known financial conglomerate Fosun Group for nearly 10 years before joining Yuzu Games in 2017. So he's only been working with them for like three years. People who knew him at Yuzu described him as professional, low-key, and quiet. I'm going to stop there real fast. Those descriptions, professional, low-key, and quiet, that reminded me of... My episode on that sandwich is poison. Yes, that's exactly that had what I was to, say. Is that what you thought? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm like, those people who are quiet but in like <laughs> high positions, you better fucking watch out. Like, I, I don't know. Laugh. When they're yeah. not saying much, that means they're plotting. <laughs> I feel so bad for all the introverts who are like, <laughs> like professional introverts. But that's that is what I thought of. I was like, that's really crazy similarities because, you know, he ultimately did use mercury in his like poisoning methods yeah. too. And he's not he's not old either. He's fairly young himself. He is. I think he is also 39. They're like wow. the same age. Yeah. Yes, okay. So, I'm going to so continue bizarre. reading straight from this article cuz yes, like that's the only way I'll get it right. But okay. So it continues. <laughs> As Lin Key was getting anxious about the delays to the three body problem project in 2017. Okay, so that's the film with Netflix blah blah mm-hmm. blah. Zhu was recommended to him and joined Yuzu as chief risk control officer in the company's legal and government affairs office. Okay, so originally he was just part of like the legal stuff. 
Zeus spent nearly three years working out issues surrounding the film rights involved with the three-body problem. Mm -hmm. And in 2018, he became CEO of the production company tasked with making the project in charge of quote (laughs) incubating and developing intellectual property for it so he went from like this legal side to like more than that to like well i mean i mean intellectual property does involve legality and stuff like that but it just seems like he grew exponentially in um, his uh, job description yeah okay continuing while lynn key appreciated zoo's legal skills and expertise he began to feel he was less suited for involvement with production of the films and was planning to give that responsibility to a zhao Long, vice president at yuzu's film affiliate working on the three-body project okay hmm. so we're gonna stop there yeah because when i researched this story the first thing that you'll see in all my sources is a very generic sentiment of the motive for Zhu Yao was because there was like infighting between him and Lin Ki mm-hmm. and that they had disagreements on the filming of the three body project. So I wanted to share that last bit about how Lin Ki was actually planning on replacing Zhu mm-hmm. with this Zhao Zilong guy because it does kind of fit that narrative of like motive of there's disagreements mm-hmm. and I don't agree with how you're handling this project and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So, so it seems incredibly petty, honestly. Yeah. Like when I heard about the story, like super superficially mm-hmm. without ever reading into it, that was something that I heard that like, oh, it's because there was infighting. So he poisoned his colleague. And I'm like, that just seems absurd. That's yeah. like such an extreme reaction. But, um, and it's so traceable. I think, yeah, that's too. what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're going to get caught, dude. I mean, yes. And the authorities very quickly identified Zhu Yao as the main suspect. So as the story developed over time, a lot of initial reports said that Lin was poisoned through the means of a cup of pu'er tea, you know, P-U apostrophe Mm E-R, which is like a very popular tea that's drinking in East Asia. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very strong. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people... (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. Actually, the first time that I heard about Puer, yeah, yeah, the first time I heard about this tea was actually at UCSD in that coffee shop under the bookstore. Remember how there's that little coffee shop under the bookstore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like yes. there's like printer machines, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't exist anymore. That place is gone. Target, a Target is there now. What? Yeah, okay. no lie. There's a Target there. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I don't even recognize these things anymore. <laughs> I know. But that's the first time I heard about that tea because it was at that coffee shop. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, Dude. it's even more potent than ginseng or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways. Anyways. So, yeah, a lot of people thought that the poison was administered through this tea that Lin Ki was drinking. But it turns out what actually happened was... Zhu Yao somehow got access to Lin Qi's medication or something, and he took simple over-the-counter, like, almost like ibuprofen, you know what I mean? Simple over-the-counter medication, and he actually had a lab at his house or something, right? Like, he had his own lab, and he experimented on cats and dogs with certain poisons, and he put the poison in, like, pill form in this medication bottle without this person knowing he employed Lin Ki's secretary to pass along that medication to Lin Ki. What Zhu did, he only put one pill of the poison in the full pill of in wow. the full bottle of pills. 
And over time, Lin Key eventually took that poison oh pill. And what we also found out is that he actually was also micro-poisoning his potential replacement, Zhu Zhilong, because they found cute mercury poisoning in Zhilong as mm. well. Why, why did they decide to test that person, too? Or how did they think to do that? Also, this made me extremely paranoid about everything. <laughs> Dude, same here. I was like, man, don't let anybody get access to your medications. Dude. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, just don't let anyone into your home, period. <laughs> I don't trust anybody. anybody. To answer your question, like, why did they test Zhao Long? It's because apparently, like, after feeling... I'm going to just read this from the, the article. Mm -hmm. After feeling sick... Several tests reveals that Zhao had been slowly poisoned with mercury, with tests revealing nearly 10 times the ordinary oh, level no. of mercury in his body. So he was just sick. He was just like, I don't feel good. And I went to the hospital and I was like, oh, well, you have mercury poisoning, which oh. also Lin Ki had mercury poisoning. Yeah. So there's like a, a connection, got it, got you know? Got it, got it. Okay. And apparently there was one other employee that was poisoned, but they're unnamed because they were actually working in the gaming unit of the Yuzu Enterprise. They weren't even involved with the filming. Is there any suggestion to think that this is just random or is this targeted? Because it doesn't make sense why he would just like it makes sense like the first two, but not the gaming guy, you know? Yeah, there's really not. A lot more out there despite the fact that several months have passed since this incident zu yao is still in custody quote unquote he's a suspect but they haven't like i don't even know if they've gone to trial about it yet okay. like I, all i know is that his representatives are mm -hmm. staying mum you okay. know they haven't said anything they haven't spoken to anybody i mean reading the stories i do think it is targeted what we don't know is like was it was zu yao working alone is, right. is he employing other people to help him? Mm -hmm. I'll read one more thing from this article. It says, a source familiar with Yuzu told Kayaksin, the media conglomerate, mm -hmm. told Kayaksin that Zhu and Zhao, Zhao Zhilong, weren't on good terms, having fallen into a rivalry over the course of their work on the three-body project. Wow. Details of Zhao's poisoning have yet to be made public, but the case has caused broader unease at the company, leading many of its top executives to get tested for poisoning since Lin's death. So, I mean, I don't blame yeah. them. <laughs> I know. It just seems like that trend of bad blood between these high executives yeah. is there. So I do believe that it, there is infighting in it caused this zoo person to be like i'm just gonna poison everybody Dude, what? Uh, so like, yeah what what possesses one to do that like i don't get it what are these people thinking i don't know Right. From that same article, this is where I'm like, okay, I don't know credibility here, but the same article actually opens with Zhu Yao was inspired. He was he was like a big fan and inspired by the American TV series Breaking Bad, had his own oh, little God. lab and all that stuff. And so, yeah, who knows? Who knows? That's just like yeah. sensationalizing yeah. the story. But, but I just but wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> despite all that, sure, he can like Breaking Bad, like who doesn't? Sure. But he has a lab? What? Isn't he a freaking lawyer? Like, what is he? He has no business ha having a lab. That's what scares the shit out of me. Dude, Dude I feel you. Because cause the story with the German, that yeah. sandwich is poison yeah. poisoning. I'm <laughs> like, it makes sense that he was poisoning people with metal because yeah. he worked at a metallurgy, like right. a factory that created metal. Right. I can connect so, A to B for that one. Like, my brain is yeah. satisfied. But this one, no. I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay. Let's get into okay, let's do it. 
what poison was unique besides the mercury what poison was unique mm-hmm. in lin key's body so the poison in question is tetrodotoxins mm. and tetrodotoxins is the neurotoxin commonly found in pufferfish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep that's <laughs> <laughs> that is dark <laughs> i think it's very common knowledge in like pop culture that puffer fish a certain type of puffer fish specifically in the indo-pacific waters are toxic Mm -hmm. and that we know that for example in japan you have to have a license and you have to know how to actually cut the puffer fish so it doesn't have the potential of toxicity and blah 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 and so when i first heard i was like oh it's the puffer fish poison i remembered a long time ago Someone had asked me, like, do you think you'd ever try puffer fish if you knew a professional cut it and stuff like that? And mm-hmm. at the time, I was like, yeah, like, why the fuck not? Like, <laughs> I trust a professional. There's no concern. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. After reading this story and reading about the toxicity of this tetrodotoxins uh-huh. and what it can do to you, no matter what, if it's professional cutting it or whatever, I would not try puffer fish. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> that is my I lead up that. to... So what happens when you ingest a tetrodotoxin? Mm -hmm. Okay, so first of all, tetrodotoxin is a neurotoxin, okay? I think I should just start with its LD50. Mm -hmm. If ingested, it only takes 334 micrograms per kilogram to but this is for mice because okay. like we of, of course we're not going to test it on humans <laughs> yeah. but it took 334 micrograms per kilogram for that to impact a mouse in contrast just to give you an idea of how small of amount that is it takes eight milligrams of cyanide for a mouse to be impacted so that's a teensy tiny amount yeah just like with ricin so how does tetrodotoxins work Tetrodotoxins are sodium channel blockers. This means that it binds to a site on the voltage-gated sodium channels in nerve cell membranes. Okay, I'm going to break that down even further. When this happens, when a tetrodotoxin binds to the nerve cell membrane, it blocks the function of the sodium ion channel. Okay, And the sodium ion channel basically works to allow for the sodium ions to go into the membrane and cause your neurons to fire because they build. They're responsible for building up that action potential. And when that action potential like climaxes, it fires down the axon to the synapse and triggers the next neuron to continue that message on. So basic cell bio, if y'all remember how neurons (laughs) and synapses and axons work, okay? So when a tetrodotoxin binds to that sodium ion channel, it blocks it, meaning it inhibits the neuron from sending a message down to where it needs to go. This prevents the nervous system from carrying messages to areas like your muscles and that prevents your muscles from contracting and typically what happens with tetrodotoxins is that when your voluntary muscles can no longer contract for example think of your diaphragm Mm -hmm. it leads to respiratory failure so it's basically it prevents your neurons from sending the 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 message to your brain to say okay you're just going to breathe normally now yeah. it, it, it physically cannot because that message is not reaching your brain right i'll go into more different symptoms of tetrodotoxin poisoning but typically the kill mechanism is respiratory failure got it 
you go into paralysis. Mm -hmm. Your muscles tighten and like can't function. Mm -hmm. So other symptoms include paresthesia, which means pins and needles. Pins and needles in your lips and in your fingertips and stuff like that. Like that will happen. Sweating, hypersalivation, cyanosis. Think cyan. So your fingertips start to turn blue and purple. Mm Aphonia, which is the in- inability to speak verbal sound because probably your um, vocal cords are constricted. Yeah. Dysphagia, inability to swallow. Everything's just paralyzed. Right. There are also gastrointestinal problems that can occur, such as nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Mm-hmm, the usual. And then um, last, yeah, the usual. That's something that we see with most toxins. And then lastly, cardiac arrhythmia can occur as well. Symptoms typically onset within 30 minutes of ingestion. Wow, fast. It's very, very quick. Depending on the dosage and what else you've consumed in the day, like if your, your tummy's full, <laughs> it could be delayed for like four hours. But they say if you've ingested an acute amount, it can start having effect within 17 minutes. So it's quick. <laughs> <laughs> and then as I had said earlier, this is the last fun bit. Yeah. There is no current antidote oh. to tetrodotoxin poisoning. I'm s- what? I'm actually really shocked about no that because, like you said, a lot of people, depending on where you, a lot of people do eat puffer fish, I think, right? Like mm-hmm. at restaurants. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm sure that on an off chance you subbed out your good cook for the bad cook and they don't know how to perfectly cut puffer fish and then like someone gets poisoned. What are you supposed to do? Right. So so actually what is nice about Wikipedia is that they did provide stats on like how common is it really to die from yeah. tetrodotoxin yeah. poisoning. And they did specifically analyze consumption in Japan. And they said between the years of 2006 and 2009, 100 something people experienced tetrodotoxin poisoning, but only one of those cases were from an actual restaurant. So like... Oh. I think that they are very serious about that yeah. practice. The other 100, you know, 90 plus cases right. were actually fishermen who were just eating their catch oh. and their catch somehow had gotten tetrodotoxin poisoning themselves. Got and it. that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh. But yeah. So are 100% of those cases fatalities or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Okay. Right. Got no, it. not necessarily. Okay. I want to say that the person that would that experienced the poisoning from the restaurant did pass away, but I will have to. I mean, I can pull it up right now. Let me make sure. Because it doesn't give you a lot of leeway in terms of time for rescue. Even if you get lucky and you get the full thirty minutes or however it is for it to kick in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's still not a lot of time. Unless I mean, I don't know how long it takes to die from it, but. You would have to basically get help right away, regardless, is, is yeah. my thought. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read straight from Wiki. Sure. Obviously, we know that Wiki is technically not a credible source, but I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Statistical factors. Statistics from the Tokyo Bureau of Social Welfare and Public Health indicate that 20 to 44 incidents of fugu poisoning, pufferfish poisoning, mm-hmm. per year between 1996 and 2006 in the entire country, leading to 34 to 64 hospitalizations and zero to six deaths per year, which equates to an average fatality rate of 6.8%. So basically what I just said was within a decade, there were 34 to 64 hospitalizations, but only like zero to six deaths per year. 
Okay. And then it goes on. Yeah. And it goes on and says, of the 23 incidents recorded within Tokyo between 1993 and 2006, only one of those 23 incidences took place in a restaurant, while the others all involve fishermen eating their catch. That's what Mm -hmm. I had mentioned before. Mm -hmm. From 2006 through 2009 in Japan, there were 119 incidences involving 183 people, but only seven people died. So there's your answer. Like, yeah. uh, I guess it's like people do get some sort of toxicity, but the number of people who actually die from it is low. So the fatality yeah. rates is a, is pretty low. low. Yeah. But again, I think it has to do with because referencing back to those fishermen eating their mm-hmm. catch. Mm-hmm. I'm sure their catch have just like a small, 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 even smaller than the yeah. micro, you know, micrograms for the lethal dose. You know what I mean? Right. Small amount in their body. Right. And it's so. also I feel like they may have died if they had eaten like the entire fish. But I'm assuming they're like right. sharing it with whoever they are or just even like having a bite, you know. So I right. don't know how much that can really affect you. Yeah. And also, if we go back to the poisoning of Lin Ki, mm-hmm. remember that he had heavy metal poisoning, too. That probably definitely compounded definitely. His, his, the outcome of how he was going to recover. Right. So with the Zhao Zhu Zhilong guy, there was no indication that he had tetrodotoxin in his system. He only mm-hmm. had heavy metal poisoning. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. And the tetrodotoxin, I mean, I I'm, don't know if you're going to go into it, but can it be found in like a powdered form? Is that like what he put in the his medication? You can chemically synthesize tetrodotoxin. I do not know if Zhu Yao did that. Okay. It doesn't give a lot of information on how you can synthesize it. And to be honest, I didn't really look into that. That's okay. No, no, no. <laughs> that was just more my curiosity, honestly. Yeah. That being said, I think what was like a fun fact was tetrodotoxins are used for some sort of therapies. For example, it's used in cancer therapy. It's been investigated as a possible treatment for cancer, cancer associated pain, Hmm. and has been used clinically to actually relieve the headaches associated with heroin withdrawal. And so that kind of makes sense to me because if it causes that numbing paralysis, Mm -hmm. maybe on like a super, super, super microscopic level, it's Mm -hmm. like, let's just numb these parts of your brain that trigger withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's so interesting. So so that's the story. And now when you see Three Body Problem dropped on Netflix, you'll be like, oh, yeah, the guy that was listed as the executive producer was actually poisoned by the other guy who's listed as executive producer. It's quite literally the three-body problem because he poisoned three people, at least as far as we know. Oh, shit. It is three-body problem. Harini, that is deep. (laughs) Whoa. Right? Dude, this whole thing. fucking blown. Conspiracy. (gasps) It's a conspiracy, y'all. Oh, man. I shouldn't shouldn't be so proud about saying that. (laughs) But it is bizarre. Like, why those three people? That's so I mean, weird. There could be more, but yeah. those are the three yeah. we know. So interesting. <laughs> Megan, that was really good. That was really interesting and captivating. I really, actually really oh, enjoyed that. We haven't had, like, a recent one in a while. So that was one. Mm-hmm. And then second yeah. is, it's so relevant. Like, I feel like it's just very, almost pop culture-esque uh, type of story. Yes. So, very yes. good. Thank you. We can let's, wrap Let's this, wrap it. Wrap let's wrap it. <laughs> Okay, antidotes for me. My mm. antidote, honestly, is very simple. 
I finally okay. moved back down to San Diego and it's the perfect time. We are entering summer in sunny San Diego. It has been blessedly warm. And Yay. honestly, my antidote is, besides being home, that's obviously an antidote, but I have just been giving myself a nice time. Like I'll set aside 30 minutes to an hour every day. I'll go out to the backyard and everything is in full bloom in my parents' backyard. All the flowers, all the mm. roses, the lavender, everything is in full bloom. And then my parents have like this little hummingbird thing where all the hummingbirds come and like feed on the sugar water. So all the animals mm -hmm. are coming out and like hanging out. And I'll go out to the patio and go in my hammock and read my murder mystery book <laughs> from the library yeah. and just like enjoy the sun and simple pleasures in life. So that has been my antidote oh. of the week. That just sounds like bliss, like <laughs> your relaxation. Oh, it is. And what are you currently reading right now? My mom got me a book from the library that she just finished. And I was like, oh, it's around. So let me read it, too. It's like a not I don't want to say knockoff, but it's like similar to Agatha Christie, but it's not Agatha Christie. It's a detective mm -hmm. called Agatha Raisin. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom's like, you like Agatha Christie, so you're going to like this other author whose name Correct. is Agatha. Like, literally, she was like, read this. It's, her name's Agatha Raisin. She does detective stories. I'm like, okay. That's so cute. <laughs> That's so endearing. Yeah, was it good? So. It is actually really good. It's really, actually really funny. So I'm enjoying it. It's kind of like young adults, but I'm like in, mm. into it. It's good. No lie or no shame. I love a good young adult novel. <laughs> I, I could be well into my 50s and, <laughs> and read and prefer a young me? adult novel oh me too they're easy to read they're a quick read too and it's just yeah. like fun it's angsty and fun. So fun i love it yeah i love it okay awesome. that's awesome i like that my antidote is that tomorrow i'm gonna drive up to la for a job interview and that's my antidote that's all oh it is God. yeah totally transparent i will admit I am a little bit nervous, mm -hmm. but I will just show up, show my stuff, yes, talk with confidence, mm -hmm. and then uh, then I'm just going to have to come home and try to beat LA traffic because the interview's <laughs> at 3 p.m. in LA, what? and I'm like, wow, I'm going to get out at 5. Mm -mm. It's going to take me five hours to get back to San Diego. Dude, so I am so excited for you. This is a long time coming. So sending you all the good vibes and all the good luck. You're going to do absolutely fucking great. Thank you so much. Poison Pals, if you're wishing me luck as you listen, I appreciate that. Too. Yes. I please you. wish Megan all the <laughs> luck and all the things. Sending her good vibes. This is why I wanted it to be an antidote because I'm like, you know, it's a totally different opportunity. That's um, exciting. So it just feels feels good to be getting job interviews that's wow. all i'm so say. proud of you megan yeah. that's really mm -hmm. really great to hear i thought it was a follow-up but that's you. even better to hear that it's like a brand new one keep it oh. coming okay <laughs> <laughs> well we will hear back regardless of the outcome we are proud of you thank you very much thank you all that's right it. megan that's take us episode. out don't risk it for that fugu biscuit oh hell yeah oh shit wait mm -hmm. before we end it sorry oh, <laughs> i do no. have one follow-up <laughs> question that just sure, sure, like, sure. that refreshed my memory yeah. okay so does fugu have anything to do with the is it the vodka yes what's, yeah, this, what's the story on that it's you're thinking about fugu horchata right y yes i think so yes yeah okay yeah yeah there's so there's that brand uh -huh. of, of fugu uh -huh. and they have an horchata line yeah I honestly, that's the only one that I remember, but it's it's pretty much hard horchata. Uh -huh. 
and they probably do other liquors too but mm-hmm. i just remember my friends always buying fugu orchata it has the little puffer fish on it yeah so yeah that's that is what it is and w- when you refer from my understanding fugu is the japanese mm-hmm. term mm-hmm. fugu is the toxic right puffer fish right but there's no mm-hmm. there's no no like essence of that in the alcohol. oh no it's no, just no, no. it's pure branding no. It's just branding. Okay. It's, it's a very cool bottle. It is yeah. a really cool bottle. I was, little, I was remembering. Yeah. I always felt like this was like high end stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I cannot afford. It's cool. <laughs> okay. That was All my right. last question. Sorry to cut off the, the outro. That's okay. <laughs> but that's totally cool. That's it, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode. Thanks for listening to our nonsense per usual. If you liked this episode, please give us a rating and review. It really, really helps us get more viewership and that's what they care about on apple Podcasts, i guess so do us a solid and give us a rating review and if you want to follow us for more information on episodes and pictures and things like that you can follow us on instagram at that shit is poison that shit's poison on twitter email us just say hi at that shit is poison at gmail.com we're around <laughs> that's it harini are you are you gonna tell them about our newest platform that you added today oh my god <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I embarrassingly just started a TikTok on a whim for the podcast at That Shit Is Poison. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up. I'm just going to post in short bursts of inspiration when I feel like it. <laughs> but yeah, awesome. we're just going to have some fun with it. I don't know where it's going to take us, but I'm just having a good time for now. So we'll see. Hell yeah. After shitting on TikTok we'll for so many episodes, we are, we are on it now. <laughs> Both of us on our personal and professional accounts. I know. If you can't beat them, you join them. That's that is exactly. We'll see you. We'll see you out there, TikTokers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Watch out, Addison Ray. We coming for you, girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys.